Time to Talk Cowboys with R.J. Ochoa from Blogging the Boys on ESPN Central Texas. And welcome back to the Press Box here on ESPN Central Texas. Time to Talk Cowboys with R.J. Ochoa. And R.J., appreciate the time today. How are we? I'm doing well, guys. Great to be with you. Uh, the pork chops were fantastic last week. I know you were all curious and <laughs> I, holding your breath. Ed, edge out. of my seat. That was the first question. <laughs> they were fantastic. Good. All right. So uh, what are we cooking this week? Uh, you know, I am still um, I'm still open. You know what I mean? I've, I've done <laughs> pork in recent history. Pork chops uh, might be brisket time. You know, if that oh. can finally kick in, then maybe I'll pull the trigger. There you go. R.J. Ochoa blogging the boys with us here on ESPN Central Texas. And R.J., oof, that that was not pretty Sunday. No, um, I mean, I think it's it's easy to sit here and say, oh, this happens in the NFL and, um, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but, man, um, that doesn't happen. Uh, I don't think that you ever expect uh, to just get – manhandled especially you know against a team that you're 12 and a half point favorites against um it was i mean i don't know that humbling is a strong enough word but the cowboys are are certainly going to have to figure out a way to rebound this week because um you know the good times are over when you look at what happened on sunday and what they were able to do offensively to this defense that was the biggest surprise to me i i really wasn't shocked that Dak struggled or the offense struggled i mean that We've seen that movie before, but this defense, I was so high on this defense that did the Cardinals expose the, this defense a little bit by just running right at number 11 and, and give everybody else a game plan in the NFL? You know, um, I know that Jonathan Gannon's, you know, made his hay on the defensive side of the ball in the NFL. I uh, was obviously the defensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles last year, but it was the Eagles who – and I hate to give them credit for this, who, who kind of laid the blueprint out. They were the first team uh, in the Micah Parsons era. Granted, you know, we're, we're barely three games into his third year, but they were the first team last year in that first meeting to kind of do that. And um, nobody else really replicated it that exact same way. And, and to be fair, not everybody has the rushing attack and prowess that, that the Eagles do and did. Um, but it felt like Jonathan Gannon was kind of like, well, why – why hasn't anybody done this again? This, this is a really effective thing. Um, and Micah, look, I love Micah, but Micah had, had talked about it and said, yeah, bring it, run it right at me. Um, and the Cardinals were unafraid to. And it's, it's hard to, to dispute right now that that is the Achilles seal, that, that there is somebody went to Krypton, brought it back, and now Superman is in trouble <laughs> even here on Earth. What, what do you do if you're Dan Quinn – and, and I think that if you're going to insist on, look, number 11 is your playmaker, don't you have to figure out a way to hide him, disguise him, put him in different positions now that you've seen this a couple of times? Yeah, I think that's why we've seen, you know, Dan try to, you know, line Mike up at, at defensive tackle along the interior because it's just a matter of, like, finding matchups that, that he can win. Uh, because when he does, obviously he can create so much havoc, but um, it goes a little bit beyond that. I think, I mean, you know, because Micah is so great, you, you know, you're paying a lot of other guys, a lot of money, you know, and I'm, I'm not, you know, saying that they haven't risen to the challenge, but 
that's when Demarcus Lawrence has to show up. That's when mm-hmm. Leighton Vanderish has to be able to kind of clock things up. That's when, you know, Mozzie Smith has to kind of, you know, grow into a role where he can develop. You you simply have to have other players winning often enough to where other teams cannot afford to devote that much attention to Micah Parsons. And until that happens, this is the book. And, and you're going to, you know, right now the, the water is here and, and it has to find a way through this dam. And if it doesn't, it's just going to remain trapped. Does Dak Prescott, in your opinion, have trouble playing from behind? I think that Dak has a lot of success in in high pressure moments. I think you know uh, the last three or so years have seen him really excel in two minute situations, right? When the Cowboys are moving really quickly, mm-hmm. um, and and I think that you know when you're playing from severely behind, it's so obvious that you have to you know, throw the ball. In fact, um, this morning I saw Tony Pollard faced the least amount of stacked boxes this past week uh, among running backs who faced at least one uh, last week. So obviously, you know, among anybody who played, um, which, you know, suggests not only that the Cardinals were, were daring the Cowboys to, to throw the ball and to pass and, and were properly equipped for that, but that they built up a big lead, right? And they could kind of, you know, I wouldn't say play prevent, but but they could devote more resources to that and, and force Dak Prescott to do some difficult things. And um, it's it's getting behind the eight ball. It's really, you know, the, the best way to put it, I think. And, and I think everybody struggles in that sense. I mean, you're behind for a reason. And so once you're behind, um, you, you are out of your comfort zone. And so um, it's, it's a difficult spot to be. And that's what I think was so jarring about last week was, you know, if, if the Cowboys had played that way next Sunday night in San Francisco, I think we all would have been able to reckon with that. Um, but, but to get, you know, that pulverized by a team that a lot of people think, you know, uh, really isn't trying to compete this year, uh, really, really tugs at our insecurities. Why does this team struggle so badly in the red zone? You know, I think it's worth mentioning that the field shrinks there. I mean, that, that sounds obvious, but um, a lot of people don't provide or give that benefit of the doubt, if you want to call it that. But I mean, it literally is true, right? You have less field to work with. And so in that sense, it, it works to the advantage of whoever's defending it, because from a square footage, you know, surface area perspective, you, you have less to defend. Um, and, and I think now, um, you know, the Cowboys have, have had this rap for wanting to run the ball, and now they have this rap for Dak Prescott with the interceptions. I think, you know, if, if you can kind of just attack them, you know, along the middle and collapse everything, then odds are it's going to work out in your favor. And I think, you know, it's worth mentioning if, if, you're, if you're trying to be optimistic, right? if you're trying to, you know, look for the sun, which isn't hard, again, this time of year, um, you know, the first two <laughs> games, you know, they had these massive leads. And so the, the need wasn't dramatic. And this most recent game, I mean, they had 60% of their offensive line, the most, you know, experienced 60% of their offensive line missing and out of action. And so um, they have played three games that aren't exactly completely representative of opportunities in the red zone, but that's not to absorb them or absolve them, excuse me, of any kind of blame or responsibility at the end of the day, they're just not executing when they get down there, which is really strange to see. They can cook the meal, but they're the kind of chef that doesn't want to eat it, right? They sit back <laughs> and you know put the towel over their neck and let everybody else see while they just watch. When you look at this team and what happened on Sunday, is it is it a time for Cowboy fans to panic, or 
just breathe right now? I think it's, you know, both can be true. Um, you don't have to, you know, panic, uh, jump off the deep end kind of thing. But um, you also shouldn't put your fingers in your ears and la, la, la away and say, oh, it's fine. Oh, the Chiefs lost to the Colts in week three last year. And look how that worked out. Um, because these games matter. And, and even if the Cowboys do rip off, I don't know, 10 wins in a row, whatever, um, this, this will hurt them. It's these easy, you know, what appear to be easy games that you lose that, that are the difference between 12 and five and 13 and four, and therefore winning the NFC East or being a wild card team, right? Like uh, being the one seed and not being the one seed and, and having a first round by and not having one. I mean, um, you know, Major League Baseball is obviously in its final week of the regular season. I can't tell you how many, you know, regular season Astros games I'm pissed off that they lost because those are the difference, right? Like you, you look back when you have all the, the benefit of hindsight and say, man, if we had just won this game. And, you know, if you look back last year and say if the Cowboys had just not blown double-digit fourth-quarter leads for the Packers and mm-hmm. the Eagles, they, they would have won the division – excuse me, the Jaguars. They would have won the division last year. And so – it, you, you can't throw it away, but you also don't have to harp. You, you have to take a lesson from it and remember that it is all part of the marathon. RJ, there were so many bad things about the game Sunday, but one that sticks out in my mind that I think has gotten overlooked a little bit, the Cowboys were driving in Cardinals territory with under five minutes left, needing two, needing two touchdowns, not just two scores, two touchdowns. And Mike McCarthy called four straight run plays and ran two minutes off the clock. And I, I, I'm glad I'm not as big a Cowboy fan as I used to be because I probably would need a new TV. I was, I was so angry at the play calling. Is this, is this what we have to look forward to? He said he wanted to run the ball more, even though the roster is built to throw the ball. And it looks like maybe he meant it, and I don't know that that's a good thing. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, it was certainly suspect. You, you have to have – I mean, your your odds of winning from, from a literal standpoint are incredibly low. I mean, you know, at that moment in time. And, and this was after all the time ticked off that you mentioned. But the, the moment Dak Prescott – you know, the ball that left his hand, the Cowboys had 12% win probability. And obviously that decreased to one when, when it was picked off. But um, so, I mean, if you've got a 12% win probability, whatever it was even, you know, two or three minutes before that, a 14 15 15%, you have to, I mean, you got to get all the juice out of that that you possibly can in the name of trying to pull off this miracle. And it didn't feel like they were um, that motivated. I'm with you. Uh, I would go even further back when, and I wrote about this this week, um, when there were three minutes left in the third quarter, uh, the Cowboys down eight, facing fourth and three at the Arizona four. Look, I am as analytically, you know, favored as anybody. I am team aggression, team aggressive, team go for it, but I mean, at that moment of the game, you're struggling to score. I have no idea why you don't kick that field goal and, and you know, make it a five-point game with, you know, 18 minutes left in, in the contest. And so uh, there were a number of, of decisions like that that were kind of weird to look back on. Um, and I'm, I'm with you, too. You know, for the last two weeks, I've done nothing but make fun of people who made fun of people or who made fun of McCarthy for saying he wanted to run the ball. And I was saying how everybody misinterpreted him and look how smart he is. And y'all are all dumb and, and stupid. Well, <laughs> Tony Pollard leads the NFL in carries. <laughs> and so um, I, um, I'm a little bit on thin ice right now. And I'm kind of, you know, upset myself because what are you doing? And I, I wrote an article that came out today. Tony Pollard had 74 total touches through the first three games of the season. Wow. If you look at the, if you look at the first three games of every season that Zeke Elliott played for the Cowboys, there is only one 
that he had more than 74 touches in. And so my point is like, and that was his rookie year where he obviously set the world on fire. So out, I mean, Zeke Elliott saw less work through the first three games of all but one of his seasons in Dallas than Tony Pollard is experiencing right now. And yeah, fine. You can say the Cowboys are getting everything they can, getting every, you know, their money's worth because he's on the tag. That's still not a sound strategy. I mean, I know everybody loves to talk about his sustainability and whatever, but like nobody can, can sustain it. He's on, on pace for over 350 carries, and that's not even including his work in the passing game. So, yeah, I mean, it does feel like maybe he meant that a little bit more seriously than I gave him credit for. 300 carries, that's, that's Derrick Henry numbers. That's crazy, especially for – and I know he's not a small back. He kind of gets that unfairly, but he's also not Derrick Henry's size and definitely doesn't need – 300 definitely doesn't need to carry the ball 300 times this year if the Cowboys nobody does right I mean I, I you know you would you would be smart to ration everybody and so um that's where it's a little bit you know weird and, and people want to say things like oh well you know the carries you know came when they were being conservative uh in the first two weeks fine that's true the wear and tear is still the same right like if, if I'm driving my brand new car around the neighborhood the miles count the same um, you know, maybe not from a gas perspective, but you get my point. Like the wear and tear is still happening. So you have to be really careful here. And, and Mike is, is somebody who always talks about like keeping his players fresh. But when I, you know, identified that yesterday, I was just really taken aback that Pollard has gotten that much work this early in the season. RJ Achoa blogging the boys with us here on the press box on ESPN Central Texas. And speaking of Zeke coming back to town, Will Greer coming back to town, what do you think the reception for Zeke especially is going to be? I would be stunned if he gets any kind of booze. Um, I think the only thing that could lead to that would be um, if he did kind of some sort of mocking celebration if he scored, but that just doesn't seem like Zeke to me. Um, I think that it'll be a warm welcome. I think everybody understands um, that it was just the decision that had to be made, and I think everybody's really grateful um, for, for Zeke's obviously service to the Cowboys, a really fun player and, and responsible for a lot of happy memories that we all have. And so I think it'll be emotional and fun. It, it won't quite be, you know, Tom Brady returning to New England or anything like that. But um, yeah, I, I think it'll, it'll be a good time for everybody to kind of reminisce and, and then get serious and play a football game. Do the Patriots have a little bit of advantage with Will Greer being the third quarterback now, knowing that he knows this new Mike McCarthy system pretty well? after being here throughout the entire preseason? I would say maybe maybe a teeny bit, um, but there's a lot of that in the NFL. You know, you, you could argue, you know, the Cowboys have the benefit of having Stephon Gilmore and knowing Bill Belichick so intimately and Brandon Cooks, obviously, who, who spent time in the New England organization as well. Um, I, I don't put a ton of stock into that, but but it is a non-zero factor. When you look at this game coming up on – Sunday, I mean, what do the Cowboys do defensively against the Patriots, who, by the way, have been really pretty good in the red zone so far this year? I mean, it's it's hard, right? Like, there's only so many ways, let alone intelligent ones, that you can say, well, you just have to score, right? Like, you just, you just have to score touchdowns when you get down near the paint. Um, but I think, you know, you've, you've got to take advantage of, of your, of your obvious advantages. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, you, n nobody, it doesn't have to be CD lamb. It doesn't have to be this, that, whatever, take the low hanging fruit, take the Luke Schoonmaker drag routes, take the Jake Ferguson against the linebacker opportunities and he can win. 
take it yourself, Dak Prescott. Like, you you know, and, and I don't know that the Cowboys are worried about any sort of narrative, but, you know, the red zone issues a week ago, we all did chalk up to them kind of going conservative after they built up a big lead. But if they go out and have their first red zone opportunity on Sunday and don't score a touchdown, then, then like, you know, then the idea gets louder in all of our minds, including their own. And um, I think that they're, you know, pretty mentally sound and can handle that. But this is now a thing and it will be a thing until it's not. I don't know if you guys remember, it was like a, a two year run where the Alex Smith chiefs um, did not have a touchdown caught by a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. They had like this, this, like, I don't know, 23 game streak where that was just the case. And until it happened, it was like, oh, when's it going to happen? Is it, is it going to happen now? No, well, we still can't get a receiver to score. Like, this is a thing until it's not. So they've got to go cash in uh, whatever it takes. How healthy are the Cowboys going to be on Sunday, in your opinion? Man, um, I'm starting to get a little worried. Uh, I'm, de- <laughs> I'm definitely um, a little bit reserved about the offensive line situation. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, I – I guess it's somewhat encouraging that Tyron Smith dressed um, last week. I mean, if, if you're really trying to reach. Um, but I also think that uh, while we feel all this pressure and we feel all this anxiety and, and we're saying, you got to do this, you got to do that. They know, look, Sunday is October 1st. Like, you know, we're, we're going to try this and we're going to go at this as, as best as we can, but we're not going to rush these dudes because even if we fall to two and two, the season is still well alive. I mean, nobody wants that to be the case, obviously, but you can't, you know, you can't go for broke. Like, it, we look, we bogeyed the third hole, right? But we still have, you know, 15 left. Nobody needs this. This is a, this is a, a there's, there's water on, on both sides here. Like, it's okay. Leave the big dog in the bag. Hit the hybrid off the tee. You're not going to go as far, but the goal is to hit the fairway here. and You've got a, a whole round left to play. When you look at this defense, how much different do you think it's going to look against the Patriots? And and do they do they still need to make some moves being in the secondary before this is all said and done, you think? I think they're all right. I think it's just, you know, it, it's going to take longer than one game for Deron Bland to get used to being on the outside, for right. Deron Gilmore to kind of, um, you know, fully assimilate to his role as the top corner on the team. Um, you know, it, it just, it doesn't happen overnight. I mean, it happened on Thursday, I think, you know, in the hysteria and, and drama of it all and, and our, our sad, you know, emotions, you know, it was 72 hours, you know what I mean? They had to right. kind of also travel and, and kind of put all this together. And so, um, but this is a Bill Belichick led team that they're facing who will do a lot of work to kind of mitigate their, their best opportunities. And so, I don't know that we'll see, you know, the full Micah Parsons experience or the full Stephon Gilmore experience, but they're fortunate or they have a fortunate opportunity that they're not going up against an offense that is really renowned. You know, Mac Jones is a little bit more limited. I know Zeke and all that stuff, but this should be a relatively, you know, clean game. I mean, for the Cowboys on defense, they should be able to kind of survive and and live up to the task, which they obviously were not able to do last week in Arizona. When you look at what this defense is capable of doing, and certainly they didn't do it last week, could this be after getting acclimated to the new positions, what you just mentioned, could this be a kind of a a get-well game, a breakout game for them? Yeah, I mean, um, I thought the Bills' uh, week two game against the Raiders was was a real get right game. Right, they lost the you know first Monday night game to the Jets, and every, everybody was kind of down on them. And 
whatever. And then they just came out and, and beat a, a team that wasn't on their level. And they did so pretty soundly. And um, again, not to overestimate, or excuse me, underestimate Bill Belichick, but this, this Cowboys team is much better than this Patriots team. And so this should be an opportunity um, to, to kind of, you know, come in humbled and, and pick up a, a hard-earned win. Um, I think if the Cowboys had won last week, you know, I think they might have been looking forward to the next Sunday night in San Francisco. I mean, they, they do view that as their kind of measuring stick opportunity. In fact, last week, C.D. Lamb himself, you know, was asked about being 2-0 and all the flowers that they're receiving. And he said, look, this is still early in the season. Week five is our measuring stick. That is the San Francisco game. So that's great, guys. You know, you want to go beat the big bad 49ers, but you have to play 16 other games. And I think that they forgot that last week. <laughs> uh, and they should be reminded um, and, and take care of business in a proper sense this week. Not saying that this would happen, but what if Zeke comes in and just goes off, RJ, and puts up incredible numbers, has 150 yards rushing and three touchdowns? What do Cowboy fans do then? Well, Ward, uh, first of all, my wife and I uh, will luck out as far as my son's future college tuition because business will be good. It will be bad, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but the content will be easy. Um, but, um, in, uh, in all seriousness, I mean, it, it, it would be hilarious and, and frustrating and sad and, ama- and amazing um, to the highest order. Um, obviously, and if that happened in conjunction with, say, Tony Pollard had a poor game, say the Cowboys continue to have red zone issues. I mean, because right now, I know that take is floating around like, oh, man, the Cowboys missed Zeke in the red zone. Yeah, they missed Zeke in the red zone if they're at the one or two yard line. All due respect to Zeke. They do not miss Zeke, you know, on third and goal from the nine yard line. That was not his specialty last year. Uh, But if he were to come in and have these explosive runs and the Cowboys were to say they had a fourth and goal at the one and they tried to get this, you know, big push of a play and they couldn't. And it was like, you missed Zeke. I mean, that's, you know, that's the opposite of Nirvana. That's our personal hell. Uh, <laughs> it, it would make next week a, a whole lot longer. RJ Achoa blogging the boys with us here in the press box. RJ, what's your prediction for Sunday? I think it's probably a, a, a gross first half um, that, that, you know, incites people, keeps people upset, whatever. Maybe it's a, a 10 to seven, you know, 13 to 10 kind of score. Uh, the Cowboys have, have left a little bit of meat on the bone, so to speak, unlike me and whatever I wind up cooking this week. Um, <laughs> and, um, and I think they probably separate in the third quarter and ultimately Cruz gets a three and one. And then we're allowed to kind of get back on the hype train setting up for next week's Sunday night football game between Dallas and San Francisco. RJ Achilla blogging the boys with us here on ESPN Central Texas. Hey, RJ, appreciate it very much. Enjoy the game this weekend. Enjoy the food, and uh, we'll get an update from you next week, man. Thanks a lot, guys. Y'all have a good rest of the week. All right, there he goes. RJ Ochoa, blogging the boys. Left a little meat on the bone, did they? Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I did not. And he mentioned the American League West race. He's a huge Astros fan. Yes, big-time Astros fan. I did not mention it. That's the I love RJ. I I, I saw you biting your tongue over there. Yes, well, and I do it on Twitter, too, because I love RJ. He's great for the show. He's a nice guy just in general. He just happens to root for, you know, that team in Houston that I can't stand. <laughs> but, I, I, you know, I was like, eh. He, he, he mentioned it, you know, with the talking about comparing it to the Cowboys, you know, how some winnable games, games that they should have won earlier in the season are kind of – kind of come back to haunt you late in the season, mm-hmm. and it's doing that to the Astros like it did to the Cowboys last year. So I figured I'd let it go.
Well, you, did, you did good. If the if the Rangers clinch this weekend, we'll talk about it next week, definitely. <laughs> I, I'm sure you will. Yeah. <laughs> Turn the screws down a little oh, tighter. Absolutely. <laughs> RJ. Uh, thanks to RJ Ochoa blogging the boys joining us here. And Cowboys coming up this weekend right here on ESPN Central Texas as the Patriots come to town. We'll take the break. When we come back, we'll put a wrap on this one as the press box continues right after this. The Mart Coaches Show with Kevin Hoffman is brought to you by In Commons Bank Mart. Coach, coming off a 64 to nothing win over Meridian to start district play, you've got to be pretty happy with your team's performance. Just an all around great effort in all three facets of the game. Yeah, we played well. Uh, got off to a fast start and uh, uh, just continued to, uh, you know, do the things that we've been working on in practice. What stood out most about your team's performance last Friday? Well, just the fact that we got out to a fast start and we played together. And, uh, you know, there were some people that we had to move around positions and uh, uh, thought they all played pretty well. And, uh, you know, we uh, moved D. Montreal uh, to quarterback and uh, he had a great night. And uh, we had to move uh, uh, Cornelius Gillespie into the middle uh, on defense, middle linebacker. And, uh, and he had not. 13, 14 tackles or something like that. He uh, he had a great night at middle linebacker, yeah. Now you continue ESPN district Central play Texas is your on the road against Texas. Heiko. Talk a little bit about this Heiko team. Offensively, they show a lot of looks, everything from a wing tee to spread. Yeah, they, uh, you know, they're another year. Uh, they had some young young kids last year, and uh, uh, they're, they're still young, but those, you know, an, another year of experience and uh, – uh, they like to do multiple things offensively and defensively to uh, keep you on your toes and make sure you uh, you get lined up uh, correctly uh, to all their different formations. So uh, uh, that's something that uh, our focus will be on this week. ESPN Central Texas.